Welcome to the EMS Underground. I am Charles McFall. Riding along with me today is Tom Campaign. This is where you say hey for the audio hey. versions. <laughs> and is it Chief? Is it Fire Chief? Well, I'm, I'm the Director of Emergency Services for Habersham County. There you go. Director of Emergency Services, Chad Black, here with us today. And we're going to be talking about GEMSA, the Georgia EMS Association, and a bunch of other different things. Uh, but, Tom, you've been talking with him all morning. Yeah. Why don't you get it uh, warmed up and kicked off here? Well, one reason why I wanted to, Chad to come in and talk to us because Chad is the chairman of GEMSA, the Georgia um, EMS Association that represents all the EMTs, paramedics, advanced EMTs, cardiac techs, intermediate EMTs. And you even reach out, include some nurses in there too, right? They can join? They can for some of the ones that transport services within hospitals. Right. You know, children's comes to mind right off the bat. Yeah, and the helicopters. And the helicopter, the helicopter services, services, absolutely. Um, to, and they, they do a lot of things for us. And we don't, I don't think the average EMS provider out there understands what well, goes that's on. absolutely um, right. Uh, I've been a paramedic for 20 years, didn't really know about it. So my quest, first question is, what is GEMSA? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having uh, me today and, and here on behalf of GEMSA. Uh, we have made a conscious effort to get out, meet with organizations like you, region council meetings, and, and let people know what GEMSA does, a lot of good things we've got going on. Uh, this has been a, a recruitment effort we've been working on the last two years. We've got a lot of good things by being a member of our organization. So I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Uh, it's like you said, we represent the EMS industry as a whole in Georgia. Uh, a lot of things that we do is, is, you know, you said a minute ago we were talking about legislative. There's things that came up this past year, three bills that we had to be down there almost every day on top of. Mm -hmm. um, some years we don't have anything. I don't anticipate that happening again <laughs> this year, but um, we also work very closely with the Trauma Commission. Mm -hmm. You know, the super speeder fees, that money goes to trauma. We get about 22 or $23 million a year is Which generated by my that. daughter contributed to. Well, we, we, <laughs> we hope she slows down, but we ap appreciate the contribution. <laughs> um, out of that money... EMS gets 20% that we do the equipment grants with. We do classes all over the mm -hmm. state. So GEMSA organizes those classes hundreds from extrication to PHTLS to EMR programs. Um, we're looking at possibly some EMTB programs online. I, I don't know. That is something we're not looking at that. That is something the, the Trauma Commission and EMS subcommittee is looking at. GEMSA just takes what the subcommittee does and recommends and gets approved and then puts the classes on, coordinates that, develops the scope of work and things like that. Oh. So you help put on uh, like continuing, edu continuing education classes. Correct, correct. Those Especially in those <clears throat> rural underserviced areas. Rural underserviced, big time. Um, that, that may be hours from either a private EMS institution like yours mm -hmm. or a technical college. And in reality, too, when you look at it, people don't think about it. But when they're going on vacation, they're driving through these areas. Yeah. No, we know when we, you know, below making has been and probably continues to be, uh, if you're in a serious accident, your chances of surviving is, is higher than the national average on, you know, how many fatalities per 1,000 1, wow. or 100,000 people there are in those areas. Um, and we continually try to find ways. What can we do for that EMS funding? To, you know, we bought equipment and, and we put classes out, but now we're looking at what do we do better? Mm -hmm. What is the next phase? And I'll talk about something we're doing up in Region 2 that um, we possibly are going to do with whole blood in the field. So Yeah, I saw that that's a new possibility. That a pilot that, well, starting. Trying not not a pilot. We're trying. We're working on the pilot. We'll present to uh, the state EMS medical directors in October, September, October, September. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they approve the pilot project, then then we will start it. Now, the discussion is, is it a six-month, 12-month? We're trying to figure those components out and logistics. But, you know, that, that in our area, it, it will help. We know it saves lives. We've mm -hmm. worked with San Antonio, who has done this. Uh, they've got great data. But South Georgia, 
there's some areas if the helicopters are not able to fly, you're easily an hour and a half or longer to the trauma right. center. And there's only so many helicopters. And there's only so many help, but a day like today, they can't fly. So if you got to ground that patient, whole blood can make a, make difference. a difference. Big difference. I think that's the next step we take. Trying, and, and not everybody needs it, not every mm -hmm. community. Um, but the rural communities, one unit on a supervisor's vehicle can make a drastic difference. We've Bison already time. seen it. In our area, the helicopters have been carrying plasma mm -hmm. um, for a couple of years now, and we've had some great success stories that uh -oh. I don't think those patients would have survived if they hadn't have gotten that blood in the field. Wow. I know when I was Our in the product. Army, we carried, you know, plasma in the nope. Army. And it worked. Yep. I mean, we a lot of things, you know, we do an EMS, we get from successful on the battlefield. Yeah. So... Uh, we also, for GEMSA, we do our two conferences. We do the educators' conference, providers and educators' mm -hmm. conference every year in Savannah. Uh, our enrollment already, we're, we're looking at probably almost hitting 600 people this year for the Savannah conference. Uh, some great speakers. And then in the spring, we do our EMS leadership um, conference at Lake Lanier Islands. Uh, that's for about 200 of the leaders, whether mm -hmm. it's you know lieutenant, captain, director, fire chiefs, whoever that come. And that's been a very successful, I think this will be our fourth year of doing that, starting it back again. Right. So yeah, we've really got very robust educational offerings. Um, I was just two weeks ago, myself and Kim were in Orlando at the Pinnacle Conference, a very mm -hmm. good conference put on by Fitch and Associates. Um, but they had 400 people there, and this was EMS leaders from across the nation. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, here we are in Georgia. We've got almost 600 coming to our conference. So that, that, that made me feel good. Yeah. Um, we've do built they do it back the Changes up. Conference anymore? We do not. We've replaced it, you know, back before I became a board member, I don't know, five or six, five and a half years ago, six. Changes was always in Augusta. Right. And they made a determination to move it more central, and they moved it to Cobb County at the Galleria. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a lot of factors there. It was not successful in Atlanta, but it was right about the time the downturn in the economy. Mm -hmm. You know as well as I do organizations that have a training budget when a downturn yeah, comes. That's one of cut. the first things cut. So I think there was other factors that went into that. But then it was after I got on the board, we talked, and we just were not getting the – went back to Augusta, and they've got a great convention center in Augusta. Mm-hmm. The problem was, though, is the vendor's hall was a long – it was a great vendor's hall. You could bring all the trucks inside, ambulances, um, all the vendors could be in there together, but it was such a distance from where the actual conference was, walking down hallways and steps. And our vendors were not happy, said they didn't get a lot of foot traffic. And you know as well as I do, the That's, vendors have to see people. That's why yeah. they're there. So, and we've got to have the vendors to put these conferences on. Or either they'll be outrageously expensive. So we looked at things. There used to be the old leadership. If you remember years and years ago, they had up at Unicoi mm -hmm. up in White County where I'm from. So we decided let's do the, let's try the leadership class again. So that kind of replaced the changes conference, okay. and it's been very successful. Um, we would like to have another location to, where we could have more people, but the room and where we're at only will host about 200. Um, but nobody wants to move it from Lake Lanier Islands. All the people, you know, we want to come here. They bring their mm -hmm. families. They get to do things. It's in the spring. We've had – this year was good. Last year was very cold. Uh, so it's hit or miss during that. <laughs> Georgia. <clears throat> but um, good old Georgia. So that – That's that the only time of, you'll hear him say that, by the way. He's an <laughs> Alabama man. Roll to <laughs> Oh, go dogs. <laughs> uh, well, have you thought about expanding into digital, doing – uh, online memberships where people you can stream it and they can watch. We are. We're looking at uh, our website, and we're, we've got a lot of things going on where it's easier to go on and be a member. Uh, we've had to update that. Of course, you know better than I do. That comes with a cost, so we've got to look yeah. at the funding. But we've got we're we're wanting to try to work and offer continuing education online. You know, I'm still like we talked about. I'm still a firm believer. You need to go to classes and do mm -hmm. some things. Go to conferences and be there. But there's things that you can do online that, that still is beneficial, and that's that's the next component we want to look at with GEMSA is offering online education and what we can do. You know, it's a rainy day at the station. Hey, let's get on the GEMSA site, and we can, mm -hmm. for a membership, it's free education. Maybe they get an hour CEU and whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, today it's just a, it's a digital world, and, it, and it people is. live on their phones. And, and I, I know personally I've never been to – 
uh, and the EMS, I've never been to a conference. I've been to other work conferences. I went to a safety one. I worked for Georgia Pacific as their safety officer and went to some safety conference. And it was mind-numbing. It was just hard to stay awake. You get the credit hours. But then you stayed for the vendor floor for the free swag. And then the vendors all had parties at night that you went to. And that was what the whole conference was. It is. And that's one of the things we try to focus on. Um, Kim has been going for years to other conferences. And she's actually a, a part of a national consortium of uh, EMS executive directors. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our speakers that we've gotten, Kim and has went to, part of what we did going to Orlando was, well, let's go listen if there's a good, real good dynamic speaker. Let's see if they want to come to our conference. So you you go listen to them instead of just looking at a resume online. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we've been very fortunate. Now, you know, you're always, when you get as large as this organization is and you've got that many speakers coming in, some of the top, even I was laughing last two weeks ago at Pinnacle, there's just some topics when it comes to EMS reimbursement. It's hard to make it interesting <laughs> to sit through for an hour. Yeah. Um, but we've got to have it, and there's some things that just, I don't care what you do and what we do, it's not going to be interesting. It's not the, right. the trauma patient and things like that out there. So we work very hard, and we really look at the reviews and surveys post-conference to see engage the speakers and mm-hmm. and you know if we get a really bad review overall then we don't no, ask that speaker back. to come back um, that's and i'll be honest with you in the past because i used to religiously go to the conferences and, and this is before your time and stuff but <clears> it got like pretty bad and you probably know what i'm talking about No, it about. does it does and and, and not that i've done anything different you know this has been the organization well, growing and going to other conferences and you, it's it's yeah. kind of like you got to invest in something well, was, to get a return on your it was investment. The, I yes. think what it, was, it was the same speakers every year. Right. Now, we've got a couple was, we bring back every year. it was almost the same topic. And that's but, why, where I was saying it wasn't that they were bad. It was just, well, I'm going to listen to this EKG lecture again. Right. Correct. Or I'm going to listen to it again. It was a good lecture. It was, a, it, it was done good. It's just that I had listened to it already. You know, I wanted something different. Correct. And... I think that variety is very important. It is. And not that we're going to always make everybody happy. I mean, we, right. you know, we, we get know some speakers. Sure. Yes, we get some speakers that are just absolutely 98% of just got to have, you know, Scotty Bolliter. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've, you've seen Scotty. Scotty was one of the uh, developers or inventors, part of the EZIO, sold it. And he has mm-hmm. a, um, a lab that he works for out in uh, Texas. And he comes in and he does live cadaver labs where, the people back there are doing things and but he's very dynamic um you do have to worry sometimes what scotty may say but <laughs> okay a lot of people that love makes it. The best that's, right right that's right people yeah. love it but you've always got a few yeah. that i didn't like his comments you know you, you've got to you got to sort through on, that you they just stay so away have a little thicker <laughs> they do stay away we usually put him on right after lunch there you go yeah um, those are the hard ones especially do you still get the free lunch on the first day we actually, you have, um, yeah, for lunch two days, oh, breakfast, two days. everything, okay. yes. Yeah, after that big old chicken, that good southern lunch <laughs> down there. You would there. be shocked at where we are, what it costs per person just for the food. Yeah. And when you've got no, five I, or six hundred. Yeah. Um, and it's good food. Coffee in the mornings and stuff just for a gallon of coffee. Mm-hmm. You would be stunned. Well, it's yeah, all unionized yeah. there, and, and it's all... Uh, well, I've worked in the, the hotel business doing AV, and yeah, I know they they tend to really push that price way up beyond what it's supposed to. No, be. absolutely, and but you're you got to do what you got to yeah. do when you're there. You can yeah. bring it in, but we got a lot of good things going on. I, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm the requirements for you to be an EMS instructor is changing. Mm-hmm. So all the continuing ed hours and stuff I was explaining the other day, you as the director. You may or may not have to have your EMS instructor moving forward. Is that correct from what I'm hearing in the state? Um, I haven't heard that yet, but I heard that they're changing the levels and it's going to be more fluid because my complaint was is I've worked hard for my level three and because I haven't taught any paramedic courses because I feel like you, I know some, and this is the thing, regions are kind of done differently operated differently Correct. here in our region pretty much if you're going to do a paramedic refresher class you had to be a level three instructor 
Which I agree with. I yeah. mean, you're doing a paramedic no, class absolutely. and stuff, and I do a lot of paramedic refreshers. So I'm like, just because I'm not teaching it a entry-level paramedic class doesn't mean I'm not teaching paramedic continuing education. Correct. But they were said, well, that's not going to stop you from doing that. It's just going to be different. And if you want to get your level three back, it's an easy thing to do if you start teaching. And I'm like, okay, just as long as I'm able to teach, I'm fine. One of the things we're very proud of, and, and it may have changed. I know as of last year, it was still this way. Now, another state may have changed some things, but our provider and educators conference, we as of last year, was still the only conference in the United States, EMS conference, that an educator could go to those three days or even come to the um, pre-con classes mm -hmm. before, but could come to that conference and get all of your continuing education hours in one place. No other state does that. They have to still go to other places. So we really try to make sure we get the components there and meet what you need as an educator. That's good. So, that's good. Because that can be hard sometimes depending on where you're at i do wish that the state would change the requirements for being an educator i think that an instructor um before you're let loose there should be a journeyman process because it's so easy i know there for a little while you had people graduating paramedic school and at the same time when they got their paramedic license they were getting their level three instructor license within the same week right and if if you're listening and you were one of those, I'm sorry. I just don't agree with they need, it. I'm with you. That's just uh, like, uh, trend, you know, like how are the you flight services have a requirement, three years in a high-volume service or three years as a nurse in an ICU, CCU with some ER experience. Right. And there's a reason for that, just experience. like educators, you know. Yeah. They, they, um, it's like how can you teach a paramedic to work a cardiac arrest if you've never actually worked one? By by knowing a book, yeah. By mm -hmm. just just the a book. experience means there. I I agree with you. There needs to be some criteria that you got. That's work why in the here field we have all these scenario type <clears throat> things. And a lot of times, whenever we're teaching, when I've got a lit, uh, somebody an instructor with less experience versus somebody with more experience, it's two totally different. Even though it's the same scenario, it's two totally different outcomes Correct. because the more experienced instructor <laughs> throws more at them and, and stuff like that. Correct. And so, yeah, I know those, I know there's changes coming. I know we're, we're I mean, I mean, EJ and them stalls that we don't have anything to worry about because we're pretty much, we are already doing everything that Good. they're Good. going to want. And I don't know exactly what somebody was just talking to me this past weekend or end of the week last week. And, um, I was doing another video for, something last week northeast georgia medical center and one of the emt paramedic structures works there full-time was telling mm -hmm. me about it so it's gonna be interesting to see what those changes are and it's i'm just waiting for the open you know when they open it up Correct. to public i'll be there but yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll probably all be there just to make yeah. sure but then tell us about because i know there's a huge thing that the association is doing which is for retirements because traditionally the fire department and law enforcement agencies they have a retirement fund. It doesn't matter what department outside you work their for. agency, yeah. different, correct. And it and it mm -hmm. and it trans. So it doesn't it matter. Just falls into their career wherever they go. You know, they participate in it. They get a retirement because how many? How many? Let me ask you this: How many? And you you can tell me it's none of my business, but I, roughly how many EMS jobs have you had? Me? Yeah. Well, I retired from Hall County almost thirty-two years. I'm at Habersham now, and I'd been up there 28 years part-time. So, But I worked for, um, when I was very, very young, in it, there was a few private services come up just to helping them out mm -hmm. that was in Gainesville. Uh, I knew the owners and worked a little bit for that. Um, and then when Rural Metro took over North Fulton, my old partner at Hall County was a manager with them, called and said, I need some help down here. And I said, I can't help you. I'm Hall County full-time. I was flying <laughs> at that time. <laughs> And I was also still working Habersham part-time. He goes, mm -hmm. we're $2,000 sign-on bonus. i got to have experienced people. I went to North Fulton and helped out about a year, you know, maybe one day a month. But that, that wasn't for me. So. so that sounds like the average five to eight different yeah, positions like you've worked in. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, I stayed full-time with the one with retired. The one full, and now, yeah. you know, I've got over 30 years between part full-time with Habersham. So, yeah. And I had 16 years with, with Air Medical. So mainly three but it's it's what you do you know and that's a whole other thing there is the fatigue issue that's another 
huge mm -hmm. issue that we're going to have to tackle, or if we don't, somebody's going to do it for us. Well, we, I know whenever you sit down and you look at most EMS providers, and I know you know them, Charles knows them, I know them, where you've got this guy's here for this for for three years, three, four years, they're not getting any pay raises, and then another service pops up and offers a dollar more an hour, what or do less. they do? Yeah. <laughs> then they move. And then, then you're there for a little while, somebody else offers more and or you, a different position, you move. But every time you move, you lose your retirement. That's exactly right. You're probably and, not vested. Um, and you, you said it, uh, the State Firefighters Pension Fund, which I was a member of, um, one of the best solid retirements in the nation as far as um, assets to liabilities. Mm -hmm. So for 20 plus years, people way before me in, in this organization have been trying to find a way to make an EMS retirement. Right. And what we were focusing on, or and I say we, but was how can the state, what can we do, legislate it, because that was done for the firefighter's pension. The problem would have been if we would have went through the state and it would have been any type of state funds, you would have had to make a choice Am I going to be in the firefighter's pension or this EMS pension? So so this will allow you to do both? It will. So you can have a fire department. You could actually have fire department, PAOB, if you're able to have both of those. And I'm not 100% sure on that. Mm -hmm. And then you could have the EMS retirement. And the way we've set it up, we structured it like the firefighter's pension. We're estimating dues are going to be $25 a month. Now, the actuaries, we get people numbers in you know it's hard to completely right. figure that but roughly three hundred dollars a year uh, you'd be vested after the same amount of time fire pension you would draw at uh, 25 and 55 full retirement um, for the firefighters pension to show an example of that in the first eight or nine months you would get back every dime you put in it after that it's free money so who would not right be in something like how, that how long would somebody have to contribute well, again, you would contribute your full 25 years if you stayed. Okay. Uh, anything over 20 will be added benefit. How much, I don't know again until we actually get the numbers up where we can start this. Um, now, I've been asked, is there a buyback like there is in the fireman's pension? If you've been in the, say you've been a fireman 15 years and you opted to not get the pension and now you decide you want to. I think there's an option, but there's something to buy back. Mm-hmm. Right now, we don't have anything to buy back because there's no, there's not an established pension with any money in it. Now, one of the things we're doing, two things we're doing, one is we're trying to set up some meetings with some large corporations um, that are, some of them are headquartered here in Georgia, some are not, but they, they are part of the public safety family with what they, they do for us. If we could get some of these major corporations to give some seed money, a quarter of a million dollars each, three or four of them. All right then our two companies that are working with us for this retirement have said, then there's a possibility some of us, I don't know if me or you, but there's a possibility you could do a buyback. I was just looking at my years in service if I could buy back, and again, that's still to be determined, but it was right at $11,000. Well, if I could buy that back and say I, I completely retire out of this in two or three years or whenever it is, mm -hmm. I get every bit of that money back in the first year plus some. Yeah, I mean, that's... Now, the other benefits to that, well, let me back up. At Pinnacle last week, myself and Kim, our executive director, we were having breakfast, and we're always talking about what, you know, we got to move this stuff. What can we do to, to improve here, here, and here? And I don't remember the conversation, but I had met with some other state EMS agencies like ours at Pinnacle, which mm -hmm. is a good, again, and I told her, I said, Kim, let's start every year. Reach out to our partners, you know, in the southeast. And let's start meeting two days a year or every other year just to bring we'll bring them to our state. We'll go to one of theirs. But let's see what they're doing, what we're doing, and we can learn from each other. And then I said, wait a minute. What if we could get them in? I bet they'd be interested in our retirement if they don't have one either. So in doing that, I, I sit down on the sofa. You know, karma's good. And I'm sitting down, and this guy starts talking to me, and he's part of the Louisiana EMS Association. Mm -hmm. So as I'm talking about this, he goes, wait a minute, our director's here. She needs to hear this. Well, they're, they're going to probably fly in the next six weeks to two months to Georgia. They want to be part of this. So I said, why can't we involve multiple states? Right. So I called our, the company and asked Kirby, who's our representative, and he said, yeah, why couldn't we? 
So if we could do that and have 20 or 30, if we had 30,000 people, $25 a piece, I think that's about $9 million a year going into the fund. So you can have it with, as long as you're licensed. You know, we've still got some things set up, but of course you've got to be active. Mm-hmm. Now there's a little bit over 20,000 active EMTs and paramedics in Georgia. How many of those are truly active in EMS? I, I don't know. Right. Whether it's on the education or in the field. You also have to be a member of GEMSL. This is a recruiting tool for mm-hmm. all organizations, and we're the one doing it. So Why I not? think it's fair. You got to be a member of this That's organization. Twenty five dollars a year, right? Twenty five dollars a year. If it's an organization, puts them in. It's fifteen. We got a lot. We've got a lot of organizations that have enrolled their their members. Mm-hmm. Even a large department uh, like Cobb County is getting ready. To, that's almost I think six hundred, seven hundred members. You're 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 talking. It's money, but it's very minimal for what that can do. Right. But regardless, if you work for a private EMS educational department, a private EMS agency, a government hospital-based, you're a member of GEMS and you're in good standing with the state, you can be a member of this and have a retirement. Now, Chad, beyond retirement and continuing education, does GEMS have any kind of influence on the state? Or are you the group that helps lobby for EMS? I mean, what, no, what we, other benefits? We, well, are there? We, we do. We're there watching after the best. There was three bills introduced specific to EMS this year that our organization as a whole and our organization as a board and members felt was, was not in the best interest of EMS and best interest of the public we serve. So we did, we, we have a lobbyist, and uh, we worked with other organizations, and I spent way too much time at the Capitol this year. <laughs> it was not fun. It's not a place that I want to go to a lot. But uh, we our legislators were very supportive, um, and none of those bills even made it out for a vote. So what was what was the heart of what was wrong with the bills? What was not in the best well, interest? Well, there, there was three different ones. One that, that we worked we worked hard on all of them. Two of them never even made it out. I don't believe out of the the one chamber where it originated, but one did, I believe. No, I don't even know if it made it for a vote. It might cross over day. Um, this was about zoning, and we know there's a lot of issues with zoning. And and I want to say, the state office of EMS and trauma and MSAC, they've had a committee that that one of my employees was on, and a lot of other well-known EMS people in the state, both from a government level to private enterprise EMS has been working on we know zoning needs to be looked at and I don't know if cleanup is the right word but to make it to better understand and have a algorithm for how those work um, also, and, and the big thing for that is I sit on EMS uh, region council we've never had a zoning issue in region 2 where I'm, I'm from that I'm aware of so I went to some of these meetings because in case we ever do, I wanted to be educated on it. Mm-hmm. I've never been through a zoning process. But the two or three different places I went, everybody was, I'm not sure they were doing it the exact same way. So the state is, is getting a yeah. template. We're working on things. Um, there's also with the ACCG, there was a group that I, I was a part of. They asked to meet that they'll be doing some uh, recommendations with the state on uh, rules and, and changing some things, changing some names, looking at zoning, and again, having an algorithm that you go by that they've done a very good job with. And is it perfect? Is any legislation perfect? <laughs> yeah, no process is going to be perfect. But, you know, th- there's a group that um, has been out now for the last year and a half that's been very vocal on, on EMS um, in a negative light. A lot of things on TV. I just got another... I don't know if it was a podcast sent to me this weekend where they were focusing on a, a private provider that has a 911 zone. Um, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has done a lot of articles. They've actually mm-hmm. reached out and asked for a meeting. I've either got a meeting with them for an interview Friday or Monday one. But this is the first that the EMS Association has been asked to give our side. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about the Transparency Project. Yes, sir. Now, on the surface, I am all with it. I, I, I've come up 22 years in the industry, and I've seen a lot of closed-door transactions. And, and, and even now, as we see, it's one of the reasons we do this show is the public has no idea really what EMS is about. No, they don't. And, and, and here's this is what I believe. I, I don't know what has gone on in a lot of these region councils. Again, we've not been through it where I'm exposed to. Sure. 
but I think some of the issues have been as some things that's been done that was not right, whether it's Robert's Rules of Order or open meetings. I don't believe it was done intentionally. I believe it was done not knowing. Another reason, one of the processes of this new change is if you become a region council member, there's some education you're going to have to go through which I think is great. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. You get put on a council and you don't know about zoning and boom, it happens, you know, you're kind of, and, and there's going to be a process that all councils hopefully go through the same thing versus one doing it one way and one the other. So mm -hmm. I don't think anybody, that's my opinion. Sure. I don't think anybody did intentionally wrong if they violated an open meeting request or did something. I think they were doing it, not realizing. Well, it. even, even just beyond that, um, the, the, it's so hard to even get universal run numbers, like nine one one run numbers, which go to the state. You know, it's it's when you say universal, what do you mean? Uh, because... uh, across the state. I mean, I'm not picking on one service. I'm saying I need you know, you report this to the state, but if I go, uh... here's the problem with that, and this caught me because of one of these. Now there was a article came out a year ago about response times. That's a there is no way to have a. No, I said exactly. Time. No, right. Uh, if I'm in, and I'll use Dunwoody, that's a hot topic right now. But mm -hmm. if I'm in Dunwoody that. and I have a call at four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm going to Northside or Children's mm -hmm. there, I might can get there in 20 minutes and back. May not. Traffic's horrible. Yeah. But if I got to transport to Emory on the other side of 285, that could be a two hour trip to get over there and back. Mm -hmm. And now I'm out of my zone. Mm -hmm. South Un Fulton. Unavailable to run a call. South Fulton. Their yeah. transports from South Fulton back into Atlanta can take longer than it's me and Habersham going to Gainesville 29 miles. Because of they could be out of their zone two hours. Mm -hmm. What's the wall time? They're waiting at the hospitals again. That's no, an yeah. issue we don't have. You can't you you got to factor into your community what is the appropriate response times. You can no, yeah, I get that. In, but, in eight minutes, just it. But no, here's the thing: they were talking about by reporting those numbers. Well, but here's the thing: you're, you're talking about. I've got a very robust community paramedicine program, so okay. their times run numbers. They had their own run numbers. But what I didn't realize till that report came out, probably you're referring to, when I pulled my response times and I went, oh, my gosh, I'm as bad. I had not separated my, my community paramedicine group, maybe in the north end of the county, mm -hmm. and they'd say, give me a run number. We're en route to, you know, 123 ABC Street. Mm -hmm. Well, that could be 45 minutes to get to the other side of the county or 30. Sure. That went into my response time. So we had to take and clean up over 1,000 community paramedicine. Mm -hmm. And I've got them separated now in a, in a module made for community paramedicine. Much improvement. <laughs> but, again, you got to realize they talk about, and I'm sure it does happen, but, you know, each county is up to what they want in their contract for what they want uh -huh. for their citizens and, and what you're going to pay for that level of response. But one call in particular that was very close to here, uh, a tragedy, a person passed away from an allergic reaction. They called for an ambulance. It wasn't available. Mm -hmm. That community has had really no increase in population, is my understanding, for 20 years. They've had two ambulances serving that community. Both of those ambulances got a 911 call 15, 20 minutes prior to this horrible incident happening, mm -hmm. and another county had to respond. That happens every day in Georgia. It happens every mm -hmm. day where I'm from. I run out of ambulances. We've got a fifth 24-hour truck approved this year. Because we run out of ambulances almost every day, and we rely on those neighboring communities. But we do do discharges, and we not a lot, right. but we do those patient transfers out of the hospital because that puts about $2.2 million back into Habersham County's coffers to help pay for EMS. And I know people want to say you can't put life below dollars. I absolutely agree with that. But it there is a financial side to each community. What do you want? To, I mean, we can fund enough ambulances to where we guarantee there's going to be one available. But there's a lot of ambulances going to sit there and not run a call. Well, the thing is, you know, that comment you just said, you can't put life above our, our life, dollars. You can't put life below dollars or dollars right. above life. But you got to pay for it. You, you cannot, as a, as a city councilman, county commissioner, legislator, citizen, you cannot be sitting around expecting, oh, I want these ambulances for free because it doesn't happen. It's not free. No, it's and, very expensive. And it is, and it's not fair to put somebody in some type of indentured servitude to sit there for nothing, and they have families to support and stuff. So, you know, 
I've said this in DeKalb, about the DeKalb County issue and the South Fulton County issue. People are whining and complaining about response times. I'm like, and they keep pointing the fingers at the services. No. Properly fund your system, and you will get what you well, want. But the other portion, and see, that's we have asked. I've emailed back months ago, last year actually, I, I went on this group's either website or social media, website, I believe. And I gave them who I was, mm-hmm. my phone number, my email. Please, we'd like to meet. And you did it on social media, too, because I've seen it there. Oh, so. that, correct. Uh, they did reply back to me on an issue you saw a couple of months ago where they had this letter they had sent me or this response, I'm assuming, on their social media. But I don't monitor that, so I had not seen sure. it. Sure. But they did, t- they did finally meet uh, a legislator that helped them sponsor some legislation. Their lobbyist met with an EMS director in South Georgia. I don't know, three or four weeks ago. So that was the first meeting. They've asked him to set something up with us. I just talked to him this morning, and they still hadn't reached back out to him to set anything up. They told him they had reached out to me and our lobbyist, and we refused to meet with them. And one of two things, either that's not factual or I missed an email or phone call, however they reached out. But we would love to meet with them. You know, going on and putting all these articles about people dying and and I'm not saying that that didn't happen. I don't know. Sure. I do know the facts of the other one. But they used a call that they didn't tell all the information. And people do that. I mean, Dunwoody did that to try to get their own well, service. Well, is, Dunwoody's another case. Yeah. You take the Cab County Fire, they're talking, and I don't remember the exact for response times for ambulances. Mm-hmm. What they didn't tell is DeKalb County had a fire truck, a quick response exactly. vehicle with a paramedic exactly. on the scene, which people is getting ALS yep. to the scene quick. I know. If you're going to do a story and you're going to use information, Let's put it all out there, and let's mm-hmm. take the true facts versus the I don't fake wanna, news. Well, that or an agenda <laughs> for you know, and we don't need to legislate. There are things we need to legislate, but it, it appears right now, and I hope we can change that through sitting down and having conversation. Mm-hmm. We want the same thing. Yeah. yeah, we want ethics in in region councils and on doing things, but to go and put this, you know, the venue of going through the local media, television, mm-hmm. papers. Uh, a, a video that I got over the weekend of an of a serv- one of the same services nine one one and that an ambulance was not available for a child having a seizure I believe it was. They're scared the the public they're trying to scare the public that EMS as a whole they yeah, oh, take yeah, it very personally taxes, a bad a black eye EMS yeah. across Georgia is not like that as a whole. Right. I'm not saying there are some things that need to be improved. We know that. But don't take and throw the baby out with the bathwater and try to make everybody think that mm-hmm. people are dying because that's that's not the case yeah. as, as a whole. But but back to I mean part of the legislature legislature that I was reading I don't know if it's the same bill or <laughs> where it died, but it was one of the things. It's just everything's tra- you, know, you see it. Everything is open and you know meetings like I I get the notification for region three meetings because I'm a registered EMT in the region three area and I've gone to them. And, you know, we have companies like Grady went to South Fulton and promised certain run times. I sat in that meeting and watched Moyer stand up and say, well, we're hitting, they promised nine. We're hitting 18 minutes and we're working. I'm paraphrasing, but basically, Correct. and we're working on it. And he sat down. Nobody around that table asked a question about what are you doing? Why is it not here? How are you improving? Well, what are your actual numbers? And they're not releasing them. And I couldn't just raise my hand in the audience because it was the, Robert's rule. I wasn't and, on that. And I don't know about that, but I know if I'm going into it, if I was doing that through that RFP and going into an area, okay. unless I can get factual information and data from the prior service or the current mm-hmm. one that's there, what I give you that we can respond in is only an estimate because I don't know. I've not been there. Sure. If I don't have good information, and then another component people don't take into, when you get in the Fulton County, metropolitan Atlanta area, there's a delay in the dispatch from the time it goes to one piece app, mm-hmm. they have to transfer it, whether it's Grady or yeah, yeah. Metro or whoever that may be. There's a delay there. How quick is that call processed? And I, I know some people that worked in that South Fulton area that would say they would be sitting there, their, their ambulance crews, and the engine would be dispatched to a call, and four or five minutes later, that ambulance dispatched to yeah. the same location. Yeah, that's one side we missed is dispatch those, processes. See, and that's it. it let's look at everything mm-hmm. and make sure what can we do to make it all better versus focusing it on, you know, again, the private services, 
They have every right, and there's some very good private services that run EMS in Georgia. They we, are. We need them. Mm-hmm. They do a very good job in the 911 zones. Been there a long time. Do they have issues? I'm sure they do. But Everybody to go, to, does, they do. I, I've got issues with mine, and I'm government-funded. Yeah. Um, but the only way to get better is to come as a group, collaborate on the issues. We may not agree with everything. But if we can make it better, then okay, but somewhere next in the year, middle, though, somewhere you get in the two middle, people not it agreeing. Doesn't it doesn't work going and putting all yeah. these things out negative, making EMS look bad as a whole in Georgia, right? And then trying to legislate something that you don't even reach out to the agency. I'll give you a prime example. There was a bill this year, and that I don't think this had anything to do with this group. I can't. There was so much going on, but there was a bill that if you have two or more cities continuous. And they had X number of calls per year. I don't remember the number. Or a number of calls that would require, I think it was seven ambulances. They could go to the state for a zone for those cities or more. It might have been three cities, but I think it was two. Um, And they were looking at the Dunwoody, Sandy Springs, somewhere around there. So as they're talking, they talked to our lobbyists. And they said, okay, you got there, and they're running... X number of trucks here and X number here. And what do you think, if, what would be the number of trucks needed that if you need this many trucks, not based on calls, based on trucks? Yeah, so you got to do call volume. Well, but they didn't. They put it in mm-hmm. there, if I remember correctly, and I'll have to go back and look. But it was, if you have enough calls to justify seven trucks, 24 hours, you could go to the state and get your own zone carved out for those cities. Well, when I asked, I said, I've been doing this 36 years. Where, what call number are you looking yeah. for seven? Because... Me and Haversham, seven trucks would be great. I'd have, I mean, well, be yeah. here in Newton County but depending as well. on where I am, I may need more or less depending on the, the time of day. And you know what yeah. I was told? <laughs> My lobbyist laughed. He goes, they asked me how many trucks I thought needed to be in the legislation, and I just threw out seven. There was <laughs> four in Sandy Springs, and I think three in Dunwoody or vice versa. Yeah. That shows you you've got to look at legislation. Things mm-hmm. are thrown in there that has no common yeah. value to it whatsoever uh, year ish ago a little over a year ago two years ago uh the cancer bill right the firefighter cancer bill and i we had a, a volunteer fire chief on that says this is going to wreck our county because all volunteer but we're also required we had the the, the senator or, or whoever it was the state representative right. who had sponsored the bill on and as we talked as he talked about i went out to different fire stations i talked to people it was like but you didn't come talk to i mean not us specifically but you didn't come talk to us the volunteers and here's what's going to happen money-wise so even with the best of intent and the best effort sometimes uh, my point is things can drop right and when you add legislation that costs departments money yeah they're already struggling yeah but if if my community now there's some i'll take gwinnett hall their their communities have said we're going to fund a fire-based ems Mm-hmm. and they're not going to do non-emergency calls. They're going to strictly focus, and the taxpayers have said that's what we want. Right. Where I'm at, we run four soon-to-be five 24-hour trucks, mm-hmm. a paramedic on the, one of the supervisor vehicles, and then a 10-hour day truck, and then a community paramedicine model. We bring in for a small rural community about two, community, about 2.2 million a year, or actually almost 2.3 in EMS revenue, which is great. Mm-hmm. But if we don't run discharges, and we don't run transfers. Do mm-hmm. we tire all our trucks? No, but if I got three 24-hour trucks available and I got two transfers go out, it does happen. Next Within 10 minutes, three 911 calls come in. Now, I still mm-hmm. have a paramedic supervisor that can still, just like we was talking about, the cab county response. So I get mm-hmm. ALS on the scene. Mm-hmm. But we may have to wait for an adjoining county. The taxpayers of my county, though, if they decide they don't want us to do that, mm-hmm. Then they're going to have to take the burden of the tax they increase. They got more money. That's going to be an additional, probably three quarters of a million dollars a year, right there. And people don't like to talk about money. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, uh, there was a, a recent uh, meeting with a county government board, and the the EMS it, it was stuck in the middle. The people and some of the quotes from the people in the audience were like. We'll take a, a tax raise if that's what and, it and takes to do this. But the county never wants to say, let's discuss it openly. And right. that's just a human thing. I mean, no, it is. Don't it is. Nobody in our area wants to raise yeah. taxes. And um, and I get that. We need to do everything we need we do as, as leadership to be very conscious when we're spending taxpayer money, mm-hmm. whether we're a private entity or a government or hospital-based. 
But the money is, in, you said it, it, the financials are extremely important. You know, and mm. I know when it's my mother, I don't care about the money. Do what you got to do to right. take care of her in the county that they live in. But I don't think there's an EMS agency out there, and I'm not saying people have not made mistakes, but when it comes down to money over patient, I, I hope and I pray that, that the patient's always going to win out. I've always said do the right thing for the patient. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we are going to lose. You're going to lose. We don't make a lot of money in EMS. Mm-hmm. I mean, two point something million is big, and there's others make a lot more. But you probably but spend 2.15 Oh no! I mean, EMS budget. EMS budget now. You know, you take six twenty-four hour trucks, a supervisor, mm-hmm. uh, equipment, management, supplies, salaries, and gasoline. all that stuff. You're talking about three million dollars. Exactly. I mean, so, brake changes on an ambulance is a thousand dollars. It it's uh, it is there is a whole financial component, and part of the EMS we do the leadership. I didn't even talk about that's our crown jewel. We do the EMS leadership program. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five EMS leaders have to apply. They got to write an essay. And that funding comes from the trauma commission too. That we're we're on our sixth or no our eighth class. Actually, they meet next week at Callaway, so I'll be going down Monday to welcome them for their third meeting and or their third week. Um, we've really I'll just give you and I know we've got to go, but I'll give you a quick one of our first classes we did. There's a lot of directors and, and economics and financials of EMS and reimbursement is extremely important. A lot, it's very difficult to understand too. Mm-hmm. There was a rural county, I think they ran one 24-hour truck, a day truck, and then it was on call at night. The director came to the leadership course, learned some things about the financials and reimbursement, went back to his county, implemented it, and within six months showed an increase. Their first year, they increased their monthly EMS revenue by almost $10,000. Wow. $120,000 for a small rural service increase mm-hmm. is huge. Their county administrator and actually them reached out to us to thank us after well, it was a little wow. bit over a year by the time they implemented that's, it. That's amazing. Those are the things we're trying to do is help because every dollar is important. Let me throw one last thing about uh, with lobbyists and support for GEMSA. Um, based on call volume, we were, we were spitballing this the other day. Based on call volume, studies have come out and said, Driving while exhausted or tired is worse than driving while drunk. And we all have personal stories of people getting off work, uh, 24, 48-hour shift, ran all night, mm-hmm. and died on the way home getting off work. Would there would Jim's be interested in, in supporting or lobbying for changes on mandatory 10- and 12-hour shifts above a certain call volume? So like the really busy services, we you are have to looking, do 12. And I just said this. I think if we don't do something, exactly. manager, somebody's going to do it. So you're us. talking about the fatigue. Okay, that's what you're talking about. That's what I thought. And but it's I want to not be clear. just driving and, and yeah. accidents. It's medication errors exactly. at 3 o'clock yeah. in the morning. With How your brain works. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're very concerned about it. Staffing is an issue for all of us. Yeah. Uh, we don't, and everybody we talked about, you work many different agencies. You know, I don't know who worked for an agency the night before part-time exactly and they show up here and they were up all night and now we've got them working for us it there's no way to police that not real i mean you not can really, put a yeah. rule that you don't work 12 hours but how do you police that yeah you police but it for when, services when catch i mean we, we were talking to a service uh in a big city that they'll do 24 calls in 24 hours You're and exhausted. that's a standard thing yeah right. yeah uh, no we we would definitely support something now again you got to look at when you when you do that and you say at X number of calls in a 24-hour period or 12, you've got to go to 8, 10, 12-hour shift, whatever. You're adding a cost to that county, that yeah. hospital, that private service. So, again, unfunded mandates, more or less. Where do you yeah. find the additional? We've got to fix Medicare and Medicaid to pay what it costs to run the calls. We've got to get where they pay for community paramedicine. That's another. You know, Everybody talks about paramedics need to have a degree. Some states in Missouri did it. They had to rescind it because... They had a huge drop-off. Degrees are important. I'm back in school very late in life. But it's not going to do that medic really any good starting off. Most places are not going to pay for that degree. Right. And everybody compares it to the nursing industry where they went out and stood their ground. But if I'm a hospital, I can go out and say, okay, we've got to pay them more. We're going to have to invest in a day surgery or outpatient surgery or cancer center or Mm -hmm. let's become a trauma center or cardiac center. There's service, service lines at a hospital I can have generate more revenue right we don't ems is ems reimbursement for transports that's it so if we're going to pay them more and you're going to require this where's the money going to come from 
that's something where we need to get our minds together and find more revenue streams a different way. We got to do something different. We've got how to get more money. That's exactly right. So I know we're running out of time for you, Chief. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having us. Um, You have anything else, Charles? I just want to say, get people active and members in gym. So the more we get, they first told us Mm 10,000. So we needed about half of the licensed providers. Now they're telling us if we can get 5,000, we can kick this off. And we're right about 2,000 now. We've still got a lot of work to do. But the more people that will either sign up, there's so much stuff. The the good thing about this, like I said, we're going to be able to offer life insurance, long-term and short-term disability. A very good possibility that we can offer health insurance. Uh, if you go with this company and, and do your liability insurance, GEMSA will get either GEMSA will get a little bit or some of that extra proceeds will go into the retirement fund. There we don't know yet. But take a rural county that, that's small and because they don't have a lot of people in their health insurance, I know some up my ways, you know, I'm, I'm told $800 to $1,000 a month mm-hmm. for family coverage. Yeah. If we exactly. have thousands and we've got a large consortium of EMS age, or EMS organizations in the Southeast, as far as the professional organizations, mm-hmm. what if we can offer insurance for a third of that? Then they could buy their life insurance for $300, maybe three, and I'm just using a number because the more people you get, the cheaper. That's huge benefits. Well, and also you have organizations that could participate in that too. That cuts their cost, which means there'd be more money for, That's right. so, for maybe salaries or another unit or so. Who knows? we got a very proactive board. Our executive director works hard. We've got a great staff, and uh, I'm excited about where we're heading. And how does somebody sign up if they wanted to? You can go to our website um, and and sign up there. Uh, of course, if you want to reach out and talk, you can call me. You can call Kim Littleton, our executive director, or Kathy White, who coordinates a lot of the programs for us and, and works for Jimsa. Uh, but the easiest way is just to go online. And you, it takes, even when I up, redo mine every year, it takes about two minutes to go in there and do it. Awesome. All right. Director of EMS Operations, Haversham County, Chad Black, and President of Gemso. Thank you for thank you for, for coming around. Yes, thank Appreciate you it. so much.